the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go. Mental health is my wealth. The stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seek and ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Big Silence Podcast. Karina here. Thanks for joining me again. I so appreciate your support and hanging out with me every Wednesday when we have new pods drop. I am sitting here in Austin, sipping some coffee this morning. It's a Monday. I call it a Monday. Every once in a while, I do Mondays. Let me tell you what that means. It's kind of like a Sunday on a Monday. I feel like I needed to give myself permission to kind of chill out a day. I am coming off a whirlwind of traveling, doing keynote talks um, from Disney and beyond, and just needed a slow day. And then I had family, and then I had a beautiful guest, Katrina Sturdy, in town in Austin. She is a TIU, tone it up, OG of 13 years and just has this incredible story. So did a ton of podcasting last week. We did a Why Not Wednesday her podcast and the Why Not Wednesday is coming out next Wednesday. So make sure you um, subscribe or you know, download and make sure you get alerts to know when the new podcasts come out. Um, and speaking of that, also, if you leave a review, every month we are choosing one person who leaves a review on Apple for the podcast. And we are sending you some really cool swag from Big Silence and Tone It Up. So go leave a review and we may choose you. But yeah, Monday. I started this back in 2017 when I was on tour for the Tone It Up retreat. And it was 15 cities in 30 days. And me, introvert here, uh, needs to like recover, right? If we were doing a tour on Saturday and Sunday, I would fly back to Palm Springs and just lay by the pool in silence on a Monday. So I call that my Monday. Um, but yeah, it's been a great weekend. Lots of going on with Tone It Up and Big Silence and the podcast and all, all the things. 
And last night, I had dinner with my friend Jenna Ballard, who was today's podcast guest. And it was her birthday. She turned 41. You go, girl. It's so interesting. I, I met her uh, when I moved to Austin, and we've become closer and closer. And we realized that we have so many paths that crossed when we were all in L.A. at the same time. And so Jenna, she began her career as a personal trainer and a mindset coach. And she worked with Ben Stiller, Katy Perry, Jeremy Piven, like, you know, the guest family, all the things. And then she had a shift in her career. And now she owns, with her husband Brad, ALA, which is Ascension Leadership Academy. They're the pioneers of emotional intelligence. And I just want to shout out because right now she has students in her current course, 24 of them, that's part of the course. And when you're in level three, is you choose a nonprofit to support. And she talks about it in the podcast. So I won't go into it too much here, but they chose the big silence. And I've had the pleasure of being able to meet in person and over Zoom, some of these students, and they shared their story and their passion for mental health. They have this goal of raising $30,000 over two weeks, 15 days for the nonprofit. And we are one weekend, and they have exceeded that, which is incredible. And I am so grateful for Jenna and all of her students that are so passionate. I mean, their stories are incredible, too. I just want to share that through their donations and what they're raising, like $100 provides 10 people help through Crisis Text Line. So, of course, you can always text HERO to 741741. 250 provides a month of support for someone in a mental health desert through our Therapy for All program, which you can apply for at thebigsilence.com. $500 provides five people in need with a therapy session and mental health support. And $1,000 brings conversations about mental health to the public through our live events, podcasts, working on destigmatizing and changing the culture around mental health. So thank you. Thank you for supporting this mission. Thank you to everyone out here who listens, who leaves reviews, who donates, who's just a part of this movement to destigmatize mental health because we are all here together. Enjoy this episode of the Big Silence Podcast. Shout out to Jenna. And of course, in the show notes, it's all the links you need to know for everything. So speaking of retreat, I mentioned the 2017 retreat. I am planning one for the beginning, probably March or May of 2024. Make sure you sign up for the Big Silence newsletter and Tone It Up newsletter, because we will keep you in the loop. Much love. Welcome to the podcast, Jenna Phillips-Ballard. Thank you so much for having me here. So good to see you. Good to see you too. So Jenna is a friend of mine from Austin, but we have so many connections. Keep learning about more connections or being reminded. Um, and I want to go back to, where are you from? Uh, originally a little tiny ski village, um, population 300, Bear Valley, California. So, But I've lived all over California. I lived yeah. in L.A. for about, um, gosh, 14 years. And then after that, San Diego. And then, and then here. And then here. Yeah. And you were in the fitness industry. I was. 
you were training like Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. Katy Perry, the Guest family, all those things. Can we talk about yeah, that experience um, and how you got into you know, fitness? It's, it's so interesting how how isolated change and shift the entire trajectory of one's life. Um, when I was 17 years old, having a tough time in high school, I was depressed, uh, really just chronically depressed and self-medicating. And uh, part of my experience of being depressed the interpretation, the story that I made up was I don't have any friends Mm -hmm. and nobody cares about me and I don't matter. And so I used to lay in bed at night and wish that I could witness my own funeral. Like this was like this thought that I had ongoingly because I, I wanted to be able to see who would show up, like who would actually miss me if I died. And I would spend so much time on this. And I got to the point of, and I didn't know anything about law of attraction or manifestation back then, but, um, but then I shifted my my thought process. I said, what if I could be in some kind of an accident that would be serious enough for me to be in the ICU? Then I would see who would show up to my hospital room. And I just kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it. And then a few months later, I was in a head trauma accident. I was decorating for a party I was going to have at my house. I was in the the hayloft of a barn that we had on the property. And I fell. I, I ran out of floor. I, I wasn't paying attention. And I fell 14 feet, landed on my head on concrete, instantly unconscious, don't remember falling at all, um, rushed to the ICU. I literally manifested that. Um, <laughs> that's when I found out that I can manifest anything. Um, so, so yeah. So I and, and I'm I'm in this coma, and they were doing all this routine blood work on me, and they discovered that I had diabetes, type one diabetes, developing my body. Huge blessing because I didn't realize that it was happening. And um, and so I'm in this coma, and the doctors are preparing my parents for the worst case scenario. And they said, you know, we don't think that Jenna's going to wake up anytime soon. Uh, when and if she does, she'll never be the same. And I miraculously, which supported the swelling of my brain going down, um, but I had no short-term memory. And I also woke up a completely different person, and I was happy. It was almost like I was going down the wrong path, and God, the universe was like, we need to give you a little bump on your head because this is not, this is definitely not the path you're meant to be on. And I woke up with this interesting sense of gratitude and joy and curiosity. And I, I got to relearn how to read and write and put my thoughts into words. And How old were you? 17. I had, I had one semester left of high school. And so the challenging part about that was at one point writing uh, creative expression was a strong point for me and then it became my weakness. And so I really got to learn how to put my thoughts into words all over again. And I don't remember a lot around that time, but I do remember there was one specific meeting that my that I was having with my mom and my doctor. And the doctor said to my mom, you know, we don't think that it's going to be ideal for Jenna to attempt to go back to high school and finish and graduate from high school on time. I was class of 2000, so I was like, I have to walk with my class. But I had one semester left, and he said, we think it's just going to be too stressful, so she shouldn't even try. And I'm sure you know you, how— You when, did it, of though, course, right? Of <laughs> course, right? So when someone tells you you can't do that, you're like, watch me do it. That's like, we were just talking in my kitchen. Bobby's like, no more Pomeranian. Or no, my parents told me when I was younger I couldn't have a Pomeranian. They got chow chows. I'm like, watch me now. Now you have 5,000 of them. <laughs> so good. No one tells us right, no. <laughs> right. So so I it, it was like this burning sensation that I felt in my core. I was like, watch me do it. And so I went back and I applied myself and I missed three weeks of school. And what was really powerful about this whole experience when I got home, my whole room was covered in banners, balloons, flowers. I mean, there was standing room only. So many people showed up to my hospital room, but I kept forgetting why people were coming. I was like, why are you here? But I just felt so much love. And so it was like I got this validation that I was asking for. And I got this proof that I do matter, that I, you know, that I'm supposed to be here. And I, with the diagnosis of the type 1 diabetes, I became, I became passionate about health and fitness. And I started working out. I started understanding energy in, energy out. And 
um, treating my body right, and I and I started to feel better overall. And um, I got in, I got into personal fitness and um, personal training. And uh, I you've heard of Legree Fitness or um, Pilates I, Plus? Yes, Pilates so, Plus. I've so heard I of. was one of the first original instructors at the first ever Legree Fitness Studio, like yeah. Pilates Plus in, in Hollywood. And I was a trainer for one month. And at the time, I was a this I was it was just not good. And I felt stuck in this relationship. And I and I. And I didn't have the means to financially move out on my own. And I kept asking the universe for an exit. I'm like, God, I just, I just, I just need an exit. I need an exit. And then Sebastian comes to me one day and he says, Hey, do you want to go train Ben Stiller on location for four months? I'm like, That's my exit. Yes, actually, that's exactly what I wanted to do. And I got Ben Stiller in the best shape of his life for um, a night at the museum. And then my career just took off. Like, I, it just was word of mouth. Uh, Katy Perry, a lot of musicians, um, Saudi Arabian royalty, just great people. It was, it was a really, really fun time for life. I want to go back to, you mentioned before when you were having these visions of your funeral and depression as a teenager. Do you have, does depression run in your family? Is there something that happened when you were younger that maybe made it a situational depression? Um, Or like, what do you, have you done any work on like why you were feeling that way as a kid? I think it was, it was a kind of a series of things. Um, Number one, my we we moved when I was younger, and I had a really hard time with bullied. I was I was teased by all the mean girls, um, classic mean girl experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. So you're, <laughs> oh, I got hit in the head with rocks on the playground. <laughs> I mean, it's like kids are so mean; they can be so mean, and so so I, it really impacted me, and that, that really kind of formulated. I got hit by. I just I'm thinking I'm having a visual of that right now, like you getting in, hit in the head with a rock on the playground. I can't believe that because I was like a little shy loner. I was so shy, and then the girls were like, "Loser!" Pew. I was like, "Oh." Yeah. So and then, then, of course, that doesn't that doesn't reinforce that me exactly. go further. <laughs> Man. Yeah. So it, it was. It was that. It was. It was. Um. I was this bright, shiny, loud, outrageous. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I was that in my hometown and then I moved to this new school and I was being myself and they didn't, girls didn't like it. They, they, they weren't into it. They didn't understand me. And so kind of my ego fear is, uh, I, I have a fear of being misunderstood. I have a fear of being, um, misinterpreted, like my intentions being misinterpreted. Uh, and just, I was lied about, I was lied to, I was invited and uninvited on purpose to parties and gatherings and just cast out, left left to the side. And so it was just really challenging for me. And I had this really distinct memory of um, I was going to a, a modeling, you know, scouting thing. And um, I was at a girlfriend's house and then we were, there was like five of us over there. And we were all outside on the on the trampoline. And then my my mom and dad were going to come pick me up and we we're going to go to this this event. And I was waiting out on the on the front porch, but I could hear them talking about me. They were on the trampoline. They're like, Jenna is so ugly. I can't believe that she would think that she's going to be a model. And just like the things they were saying about me, I was like, oh, so I just had this, uh, and then I wound up not going, you know, it was just, I, I created this, maybe I shouldn't go and maybe I don't. So it, it's just so interesting how we, based on the events that we have and the experiences that we have, we create these interpretations about ourselves. And that really kind of formulated this belief that I had about myself that I don't matter. I don't fit in. I'm not cool. I'm not funny. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, I don't have cool enough clothes. Um, it was just, it was just an ongoing conversation that I'm not enough. And, and my parents got divorced. So that really added to it when I was 16. So. Isn't it interesting how this is when we grew up? Because I I was class of 99, 1999. Um, so we're around the same age, but everyone talks about social media now and youth. But we still, I had Seventeen Magazine. Right. And I was like, okay, I would spend three hours on my makeup to like go hang out with my friends. And I wanted to be like that. Um, it 
created an ED. And like, I feel like that pressure is continuing. So I'm not sure, like that was our social media back then. Mm -hmm. And how do you see, because you're a mom of two now, what do you envision for the future of your children and what you want for them in media and community? Like, What would that dream be so that kids don't have to suffer? And you know, with the big silence, we have our youth programming and we're trying to really focus on youth mental health and therapy, which we didn't have when we were younger. But I just feel like, you know, it's still, there's still a lot of work to be done. There is. And I think it's, I think it's likely going to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately, um, because it's, I think it's going to take something revolutionary for people to start waking up and to realize that, that the social media and um, the constant need for that dopamine hit to see all the likes and the views and all of that. I think that it's people are going to start to realize. I mean, there's obviously studies about it. There's science. I mean, you can see that there's actual data showcasing the harm and the the challenges with that. Um, but I think it is going to – I think people are starting to wake up to it. People are starting to realize that it, the thing to not do is to give your child a, 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 a phone. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing like nine-year-olds with cell phones and – it's really challenging to to moderate these devices, and I think that we just get to as as a community of people who are aware of the damage that could be presented to our children. I mean, they're they they don't they don't have the 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 mental capacity to understand how to how to regulate these like, these dopamine hits, and so you know we. And so funny because, of course, before ever becoming a parent, I was like, I'm never giving my child a tablet. I am never. Ever. And now no you're script. like, here you go. I'm like, <laughs> I, try, as I do the best that I can. So it, it's it's challenging. It, it it is challenging, and so it's just really funny how um, you know you don't know until you until you're actually a parent the the difficulty that is presented, especially when when I have a lot of things that I'm responsible for and people who look to me for guidance. And so it's really just creating that balance. I do believe that we do a pretty good job. Like we don't let him watch anything and everything on YouTube. We really try to stick to um, movies that have a whole storyline and there's um, character development and there's, um, you see empathy and you see feelings and emotions. And so we're really, we do our best to, to show him movies like that. Um, and also educational stuff. I mean, there's some good stuff on, on YouTube. It's just, you get to but like one video turns into the next, into the next, yeah. and then it's like rabbit hole. So, but I mean, it's challenging. Me growing up, I remember during summer vacation, there were no tablets, but my parents every day I would watch like historical movies, like well known old films, like Gone with the Wind, or you know, they're that like was my jam. Four hours, sit there, right? <laughs> Got it. So good. It's so good. But that's it. It's like. Your your parents made powerful choices to make sure that what you were being exposed to was going to contribute to the development of you as a human. And I think that, you know, there there's a someone on, on YouTube called Blippy. And Blippy basically, I mean, Jax was he knew the whole alphabet before he was two years old. He could say it. I mean, so he he really contributed to the development of of that. So I think that there is really some there's some great stuff out there. I just think that the the challenges being able to corral that kind of exposure is is probably one of the more difficult things. So, but I I, I do think it is really going to come down to a level of responsibility and leadership and ownership that um, we really just get to be selective about what's being fed to our children. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to switch it back to what we were talking about. Yeah. So you're at Pilates Plus. You're now on set with Ben Stiller. Best shape of his life. I remember that movie. I watched it. Now I have to go back and watch it. That's my it and work. Be like, All the running that scenes. That was Jenna. That's right. She got him in shape. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So you're on tour, you're working for celebs, you're a trainer, you're into fitness. What was the next step? What mm. were you feeling? What was the shift? So you probably know a trainer, super famous trainer named Jackie Warner. Do you remember her? Okay, so she was my client, and she hired me to sculpt her butt. Like, that was my job. She had, like, four trainers, and I was her butt trainer. And uh, there was one day we were just kind of talking shop about building fitness empires and all that stuff. And, and she said, if I can offer you one thing, she said, don't ever do it for the money. And I was like, hmm, okay. Noted. Got it. And at the time, I mean, my, I mean, the career that I was that I created for myself was very, you know, fancy. And there was, like, a, a lot of fun, exciting experiences I got to have. But then I got to the point of feeling like I was just collecting a paycheck. Like I wasn't waking up being excited about going to my job anymore. It, it started to feel like a J-O-B. And, and then I realized, like, well, this is a disservice to my clients. And I, and I really, really was clear that I was complete with that chapter, but I wasn't sure what the next thing was going to be for me. And then when I was 29, um, this is 12 years ago, I, I encountered a series of, of emotional intelligence trainings that completely just opened my eyes and had me be a level of, of self-aware and, um, and ownership of my emotions and my feelings and also what I generated, what I caused, had me be responsible for everything in my life. And I said, this is the work that I'm meant to do. Like, this is my vision for the world. Because I, I really saw this, this gap in, in leadership. I mean, if you look at today's leaders, I can't I, – I, and I've, I've really been curious about this. Like, is there a leader today who is in charge of things, running things, that I say, you've got my best interest in mind? Like I trust explicitly 100% that you're out there for the people. Like, and I, I can't think of many. Like that's not normal. And so I decided to be in ownership of that. You know, I, I, I can complain about what's happening in, in the realm of leadership. I can complain about what's in and for humanity or I can do something about it. And so – I really saw an opportunity to have our leaders, the leaders of the world, get reconnected to humanity because that's I think that's why we see so many challenges in, in the world today is that people just they've forgotten what it means to be part of humanity. I think you should have some um, presidential candidates go through ALA. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's it's like it's been my vision literally to have leaders of the UN go through our trainings. I, I I'm with you, girl. I'm with I, you. I don't like to talk too much politics. I'm with you. I, yeah. Yep. How you, you don't need to say it. I'm with you. Number I'm one. with you 100%. <laughs> Let's back up because moving your career choice, you're 29, mm -hmm. 30. 29. Yeah. Yep. And you're taking a full shift. Like mm -hmm. for me, all I know, I've been doing fitness for like 15, 18 years mm -hmm. from being a triathlete, right. sponsored athlete to then wanting to start tone it up to, but that was my transition of I want to help and share how fitness can really transform change your life, not for the aesthetic, but for the mental. And then now I've toned it up and I have big silence and sharing more of the mental side of movement and how mental health is so important. But it has been a, a big shift. But I feel like so many people go through life like, oh, this is what I meant to do. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it your mm -hmm. whole life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And shout out, girls, I'm still toned it up. Yeah, of course. <laughs> full, fully in. But I also have the ability to talk about mental health more. Um, but that can be a hard shift for people mm -hmm. to make that transition and not knowing. Did you go to college? Um, I I went. <laughs> Me too. I kind of went. Yeah, right. Done. I kind of, I kind of, I, I actually went to school. I went to school in, um, in Spain. I lived in Spain for seven months. Moved back and then went to, got my associate's degree um, at, um, at the community college in Santa Monica. 
and I applied to all these four-year schools. Wait, I went to Santa Monica. You did? College. What year? Wait. Gosh, was it was it was 2000, 2001. Around that time. It was like it was like 2002. About I was like, there like 2001, 2002. We were so in good. the hallways together. I know. We didn't even know. We didn't even know. Clearly, universe is like, you two need to know each other. Like, figure it out, you know? Uh, it's so good. So good. Um, yeah. I, you know, my purpose has always been the same. I think that it's it's just the vehicle that has changed. Um, because after my accident, when I woke up from my coma, I I I just I was like, I want people to know that they can do anything. I I, I want people to understand that they can literally become whatever they want. And so I utilize fitness as the modality, as the vehicle to to teach people that and um, how to believe in themselves. I had one client who had a had a stroke when he was 89 and his the whole left side of his body became completely paralyzed and just through intuition I just had him believe in himself again and I got him walking again so I didn't have that kind of training I mean I didn't I, didn't, I wasn't a physical therapist but it was all through teaching him how to utilize his mind to believe that he can do anything and then he wound up being able to gain that whole function of his body again so it's like the power of our mind is is limitless and when we that we can create anything accomplish anything become anything then that's 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 oftentimes the hardest part is to shift that belief. And so, yes, of course, I did, I did it with fitness. And it was it was really just this – it was a, a, a lifestyle experience. It wasn't just about looking good. But it was also – I started to notice that their relationships were expanding and they were becoming more responsible. Like I worked with the whole family, the whole guest family. And the, the work that I was doing with um, Maurice Marciano, who's the, the who was the CEO of Guest for a Just long time. Just throwing this out there. So, you know, my first job in L.A. was at the Guest on Rodeo Drive. Really? With the And the Marciano. Mar- Marciano. This is when I was What 18. year was this? Oh, 1999. Okay. So we bypassed each other. But I, yeah, I used to go on all the time. to do their fashion show. And, so yeah, good. We're so good actors. <laughs> we are. It's like 5,000 times over. Of course. Thank, got it. Universe. I got it. I got it. Okay. Got it. We're supposed to know each other on many levels. So um, so it was just I, – I, I watched the culture of guests shift, you know, like with the work that I was doing with him. So, so really I became – I started to realize that what I wanted to create was a, a new level of responsibility for people, for leaders to – just shift the way that they were they were impacting people. And because I worked with a lot of musicians, I mean, I think that musicians are some of the most influential people on the planet. If you think about it, when you go to a concert, everyone is there just in sync, unified, like everyone, no one's looking around like, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Are you a vegan? Do you eat meat? What's happening? Like, do you believe that the earth is flat? Do you believe that it's round? So there isn't, you know, there isn't that. Like everyone's just there to, to all be in, in in contribution to this amazing music, which is an incredible language. And so so it was really interesting because I watched the musicians. I was working with Mark Hoppus from Blink-182, for example, like, I, and I was in charge of um, making sure they had healthy food for their tour when they got back together in Blink-182. And so I just watched the whole dynamic of of the band shift. And so I was like, this is the work that I want to be doing. And I became really excited about leadership. I became really excited about standing for people to be in ownership of their interpretations and also their triggers and how they react to certain situations. And um, so after having gone through these these trainings, I became really, really excited about diving in and I wound up being mentored by the top trainers in the world and just completely became obsessed with understanding human behavior and how people um, deal with their trauma and how they respond to it, how to heal it. And um, it just became my life. And in that process, I also manifested Brad Ballard, who is my life-size Kindle. He's my yes, husband. He does look like a Kindle. He does. He does. He does. And I know so, everything Barbie right now, but right? you literally, wait, hold on. You literally are Barbie and Ken. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I'm going to have to do a little Ken pose for me, um, but I'll get that. I'll get that. I'll get a picture of that. 
But um, but yeah, so it just it, we became passionate about it, and we we embarked on this mission together. And um, you know, he was he was in corporate America his his whole life, and like he just and he was also a soccer coach. Like he was he was really you know being a coach at the collegiate level, and so he was coaching college athletes, and he thought that was going to be his life, and then he encountered this work. And he realized that he also wanted to to be on this path with me. And so we didn't realize – we thought we were going to be emotional intelligence trainers and just kind of, you know, travel all around the world and, and do trainings everywhere. But we got to the place where we realized that the curriculum that we had encountered was a bit outdated. And the context that we that we learned this work was – it was great. I mean, it really served us in a lot of ways. And – we we really wanted to modernize the context of of this work, and so we mentors to open up our own center and our own training facility, and um, we were the pioneers of this work in in San Diego. We uprooted, moved our whole lives to to San Diego, and it was a tidal wave. I mean, it just blew up. It was incredible. Yeah, and I so many connections too. So James Nicholas Kinney, yeah, fearless. You know the podcast song. Breathe in, breathe out. That's James. It's so uh, good. Jenna Anton, my makeup artist of many years, went through ALA. She also went through the other one. The other one with James. But, That's how she knows James. Yeah, exactly. There's so many. Yeah. There's so many. Beyonce. She went through another. I will. I wish I could say she went through ALA, but she went through a center. Um, Beyonce has done the trainings that we have at ALA. She she went through another center called Momentum in New York, and she's done a lot of work with um with the the kids at you know through the center and just really supports the the teenage program and so. So she's just um, – she's an incredible human and her favorite number is four and the number four is a stand for love. It means love. And so it's her favorite number and so like her album four. So it's just really beautiful to see what she created after she went through these trainings and how she just – her album. I mean, have you heard the song I Was Here? No. Is okay. it a new album? I, no. I'm a big Beyonce fan but I haven't been. So do – so Je I listened – her album four. I think it was her fourth album. Um, the song I Was Here is a song about legacy and leadership. And it's like I cry every time I hear this song because it is just – it speaks about the kind of legacy that you want to leave behind, basically saying I want people to know that I was here. I want people to know that I did it all. I went for it. I Because you know, so many of us go through life and we meander through life until – we realize that, oh, I only have one shot at life. Okay, all I have is right now. Nothing is guaranteed. I mean, you, nothing is guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. All we have is this moment, like this moment right here, right now. So what can we create in this moment ourselves and in contribution? So yeah. so that's it. Okay. I need you to – because I – I've called you and been like, okay, explain ALA more. Yes. And, you know, I know I know what emotional intelligence is and some listeners do, but a lot do not. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of do the elevator pitch of like what this course is. So ALA stands for Ascension Leadership Academy. And um, we offer a series of emotional intelligence trainings, all experiential. So it's a little bit of lecture, but a lot of metaphorical situations and scenarios so that you can see how you react to your triggers in real time. So much so that it's undeniable. Because we can say, oh, yeah, I get, oh, that kind of triggers me or she triggers me, but why? Like what about that person or what about that situation has you feel triggered or has you get activated or have or has you ultimately respond in that way that's not in alignment with your highest self, not in alignment with the version of yourself that you want to be. And so we really stand for people to understand what it means to be responsible for the life that they've created or haven't yet created. And we we give them the opportunity to look at the things that are hiding out in their blind spots because we all have things in our blind spots. And, and, and it's not – we – 
we're not therapy. So I really want that to be clear. We're not therapy. We are a leadership development program and facility and center. And we support people in being essentially the Jedi masters of their egos. And the ego is never going to go away, but you get to be in partnership with your ego because your ego is an incredible compass. Your you, this, this compass shows you who you don't want to be. This compass shows you um, ultimately what it means to fulfill your vision and your purpose. And, um, and we really support people in, in, in being in harmony with their ego versus um, resent it or not like it or hate it. And um, we also teach leaders how to operate amongst another team of leaders because that often presents a lot of opportunities for people to get triggered and for egos to bump up against each other. And so we teach responsible leadership. We teach emotional intelligence. We teach to arrive at a solution, how to reverse engineer. And um, it's really just a powerful opportunity for people to be in ownership of every aspect of their life and uh, and also know that you can you can change your life in any given moment based on the story that you tell about experiences that you've had, especially in your past. Yeah. So what type of students? I know you've had entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that have grown their company significantly by taking your courses. Uh, but what type of students enroll? The majority of the people who come through our trainings are leaders, for, for lack of a better word. People who have big visions, um, people who especially people who are super, super busy. They have a ton of responsibility. Everyone's looking to them for guidance. Uh, maybe they're lacking trust. Like they they feel like they have like the responsibility is all on them and they don't know how to just set it down and surrender and allow their team to handle it because in their mind, they feel like nobody can do it as good as they can. And so we really support them in establishing trust themselves and also trust in the people who work with them and for them. Um, we've had CEOs, founders, C-suite individuals come through where they just – and maybe for them, like, they're busy. Maybe they can say that their their career is great, like their team is awesome, 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 or 11 out of 10, but maybe they're they're lacking fulfillment. Like maybe they don't create enough time and space for, for themselves to – be an artist or paint or whatever that is. So maybe they're they're lacking some some level of fulfillment. Maybe their relationship is not a level ten, but their their career is. Um, and so we have a lot of people who are just really hungry, hungry for more, hungry for personal development. And I love the people who come through who've quote unquote done it all. They've like, oh, I've I've done all the personal development there is to do. Like I've I've been through Tony Robbins and I've sat with ayahuasca nine thousand times. And I'm you know I could probably teach the course and. It, and I've never once, not once, have I ever heard anyone say that they preferred any other personal development experience over what we've created at ALA. Yeah, I love what you're doing. And I especially love it because one of the aspects of it is you and level three, right? You have the team find a nonprofit that they want to contribute to mm -hmm. and raise funds for. And I got an email through the big silence and then Rachel, our executive director, reached out to me. She's like, hey, ALA one has chosen you as their nonprofit to raise money for. I was like, wait, like Jenna and Brad? She's like, no, but it's their team. And then I, we had some calls and Rachel's been talking to them and giving them all the info about the big silence and all of mm -hmm. our programs. And then I voiced and I knew I'm like, um, hello. <laughs> I know. So funny. <laughs> but you can't have any impact no. on who your students I can't choose. have I don't get to have any influence. And I've always secretly hoped that um someone was gonna pick your organization because obviously, you know, I'm a big supporter of, of what you were up to and what you're creating. And um and so it was yeah, it was just really funny because when when they were presenting it on the there were multiple organizations they were all sharing, and then one of the students said the big silence, I was like, Oh, 
I'm so excited. Can't pretend that I'm excited. I can't be excited. I'm just I'm I'm neutral, fully neutral. But um, but it all just it, it was just really powerful to see the team understand the importance of really addressing this issue of mental health is something that so many people don't want to talk about. They don't want to deal with it. It and and you're giving a voice to it. And and that's why I'm such a huge supporter of what you're up to because I mean, I've experienced many levels of depression, especially when I had um toxic mold, you know, the toxicity, the like that poisoning. I mean, that was a whole thing. Um so it's it's something that gets to be talked about. It's something that gets to be normalize that it's a normal discussion. That's it. Yeah. And I've had many conversations with several of your students and their stories and what they share over Zoom. And I was on a Zoom call last night with them and Brad was on there and just really passionate people wanting to make a difference in the world and be their best version through ALA. And I'm just so grateful. And I'm going to put the link here in the show notes of the fundraiser that your students are doing. It goes until August 15th. Yeah. So they they the coolest thing about this is they've got a very small amount of time to raise maximum number of funds for an organization that they that they feel really inspired to support. And um, they only have 15 days to yeah. raise money. And they're already p- well beyond oh past their yeah. goal, which is awesome. Um, so for, for any of you who are listening, if you want to be a part of this really awesome movement and support Karina and what she's up to, definitely, definitely check out this link. And um, and so it's it's just really cool to see them at this place, at this stage in their leadership, because level one is the discovery training. They discover where all the triggers came from. Level two, they break through it. They they confront it. It's like a it's such a powerful somatic process that it's it's like the transformation happens in their muscles, in their tissues, in every part of their body. And they they become ultimately so aware of the stuff that happens in their brain. And then they take everything that they learned about themselves in level one and level two, and they create this team dynamic where it's they, they are literally applying everything they learned about themselves, everything that they broke through, such that it sticks. Because a lot of transformational events, like that's it. You have the event, then good luck, and uh, hopefully you apply this stuff in your life, and 8% of the people actually do anything about that. So we really wanted to create an experience and a process for people where this could be a part of their life where it would stick. And so for three months, they practice, 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 they develop these muscles. So it's just like fitness. I mean, as you know, you got to, there, there gets to be a sense of repetition to actually strengthen that muscle. And so the muscle of contribution, the muscle of um, sharing, the muscle of leadership, the muscle of responsibility and ownership. I mean, that's something that a lot of people really, really get to practice. And so that's the part that they're in right now, ATX 13. I'm just so proud of them. And they're just so excited to be supporting you guys. Yeah. And thank you. And all the funds that are raised, we're focusing on the Therapy for All program, which you can go to thebigsilence.com and apply anonymously. And that's the biggest thing um, for us is a lot of times you can't get therapy through health insurance or it's too expensive. Uh, You know, I've, for my mom, at one point, I was paying hundreds of dollars a a session. So we have over 50 therapists in our network and in different states and youth can also apply with their parents' permission. So um, yeah, I'm excited. And then we have youth programming starting here in the fall in person. So training for a 5K while having mental health practices each week, learning about anti-bullying, learning about meditation, learning about it, just self-love, all that stuff. So make sure, sign up for our newsletter at thebigsilence.com to stay you know, up to date on all that. So I want to go back to the mold. We've briefly touched on this before, but I know it really impacted your mental health. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this Absolutely. story? Yeah, there's nothing I won't talk about. Um 
Yeah. I, Brad and I, when we were living in Encinitas, we were living what we thought was our our dream home. Um, we really just felt so good about this home. It was just a beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, we it was right before Jax was born. So this is kind of at the end of at the end of um, 2019, I really started to notice uh, what was ultimately a slow building up of Brad was experiencing really intense depression. Um, just it, he just was a different person. I mean, he went from being a, a high performance coach, um, just just an incredible machine of transformation, and just the way that he coached people and guided. It was just beautiful to to witness him. I loved watching him facilitate. It was like super sexy, and then. It just something started to shift. Like it, it just he wasn't he just wasn't that way anymore. And this was before Jax was born. And about three months after Jax was born, this is at the very very end of 2019. He came to me and he said, "I need to I need to tell you something." He said, "I've been having suicidal thoughts, and um, I feel like I, I'm in this hole and I can't climb out of it. I don't know what's happening. I I, I don't know where this is coming from." And I you know I'm three months postpartum, and I'm like. Okay, so I get to put my postpartum to the side and I get to lead our family and be the CEO of ALA and also my personal brand and all the things. And it was just a really, really challenging time. So it was, I mean, it, it felt like survival. Like I just got to get in survival mode. Um, and, uh, and then it was about six or seven months after that, that we were cleaning out a closet and we found black mold all along the baseboard on the wall. And I told my landlord right away and I said, and there's mold in here. She sent in her handyman. He ripped it out. But he's like, oh, it's actually – he." and he replaced the drywall, which is something I found out that you should not do. It's like not a thing to do. That's not the way that you get rid of mold. Anyway, now, if only I knew then what I know now. Anyway, so he's like, oh, it's actually growing outside. He's like, it's in the tile. Oh, it's in the – and this is a wall. This is a closet right next to the kitchen. So they sent in a, a, a construction company, and they had to gut our entire kitchen – they said that I mean they had to pull out everything, and so it was like a like a Dexter a scene from Dexter. We had like this plastic up, yeah. and we couldn't use our kitchen for many months. And so, I remember asking our um, the property management company. I said, "Can you can you put us in an Airbnb?" Like obviously, like I've been I, I just paid I just paid rent here. I'm not going to pay rent on top of that. And she and she's like, "Well, you know, it's actually totally safe to stay in the house. It's just mildew." just mildew. And, I, and I'm and i like, okay. So And I said to her, I was like, if I ever find out that there's black mold in this house, it's going to be a very unfortunate day for you. Because I was, I was like, I have an autoimmune disease. I've got an infant. Like, we can't be in this house. And she's like, it's totally safe to stay in the house. Found out that it was completely covered in black mold because I just had this gut intuition, like this, this intuitive hit, this intuition that said that there was something else going on. And I did urine tests, blood tests, and we had black mold off the charts. And then I got in committed action to just move us to Austin because we were thinking about moving to Austin in 2021. And this is like mid-2020. And I'm like, we're not going to move to another place in Encinitas and move again next year. So like, let's just get in committed action. Also, California was shut down, so we couldn't do any of our trainings. But Austin was open. So yeah. it just got a very, very clear message that it was it was time to go. And Did you have the same effects, like the depression? And how did you and yep. Brad come yeah, out so, of that and heal from that? I mean, we're still coming out of it. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's been a long process. Um, yes, I did. I had chronic brain fatigue and I had a really hard time. Like I used to just create content in my sleep and launch courses like it was nothing. And I just had a really, really hard time doing that. So I was just doing like the bare minimum, like the basics of my responsibilities to make sure that our business could stay afloat, that our family could, you know, stay afloat. And, um, but I, it was, it was, I noticed I had like this new impediment that I really got to work with, but yeah, but it was, it, it, it was almost like my, my brain was it was just pure option. And then when we finally got to Austin, um, I 
my nervous system just collapsed. And I came to Brad and I said, I can't hold our family anymore. I can't lead our family. Like, I just need to go on sabbatical. And so I basically hiked every day and um, microdosed and supported myself and just just releasing this pressure of needing to lead everything. But it was a really, really dark time for me. And um, and it, it just, it was a lot of supplements and treatments and we just couldn't really move the needle and, and mold. It takes a long time to leave your body. And so it just, it impacts, it. mold literally attacks the brain if it gets yep. in certain parts of your brain. And so. Did you ever have uh, migraines? I never had migraines, but I had joint pain. Like I had inflammation in my body, just like chronic, chronic, just so tired, just like chronically fatigued. Um, and and yeah, it was just, it was just a really, really challenging time. And then I got pregnant again. Um, and so uh, we were still releasing the mold, like still still healing, but I couldn't do anything aggressive because I was either breastfeeding. And so I couldn't do any any aggressive detox. And so, um, you know, I f- I'm finally at the place now where I'm no longer breastfeeding. I'm just now, it's my main focus right now is is that. And um, and with Jet, with more, with our second born, about eight months after he was born, I got hit really hard with postpartum. Like it was, this was eight months. You said eight months after. Yeah, so it was oh. eight months after, which is really interesting. Yeah. I, I literally, after I gave birth to him, I was like, I felt so good because it was like my redemption birth. My first birth was very traumatic. It was really intense, thirty three hours of labor, and with Jet, over two and a half hours, out in my arms, super easy. Uh, and I was on cloud nine. Like I felt invincible. And and I kept saying, I was like, well, looks like I bite, I bypassed postpartum. But it hit me really, really hard about eight months after he was born. What did that look like? And did, have you talked to a doctor, a psychologist about how it – because I've always heard – I've never heard I, – I don't have a lot of experience in postpartum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but – I've always heard it's like right after birth, not eight months later. It can be. So it's it it was right when I got my period back. So my hormones were just, what's happening? And and so it just was, I experienced um, debilitating anxiety, um, extreme paranoia, like thinking like everyone's against me. It was, it, I mean, and now looking back on it and I look at those thoughts now, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is just insane. It's insanity. But I, I, I literally believe that everything that I was thinking was true. So then that had me just want to hide and not reach out to my friends. And um, well, for my friend, I felt like I was in this cocoon. I felt like it was never going to end. Um, and really the only time that I was not kind of in that experience was when I was facilitating, when I was leading trainings, because in those moments I was focusing out. And so if we are always focusing on ourselves, it's really challenging to to shift that interpretation or that feeling. But when we're doing something for, from a place of, I want to be in contribution. I want to focus out on these people. I want to focus out on a mission, like what you're up to, what you're creating right now is such a massive mission. You're focusing out on so many people. And there's a level of fulfillment that it was almost like, it's almost like ALA saved my life, to be honest, because I got to, I got to be in servitude to my students. And because and, it's not just my students, it's the ripple effect that they create with the people in their lives and their businesses, their employees and their team. And so it just, it, it felt like a level of responsibility that um, I just didn't give my sp- myself the space to be stuck in that. I would give myself moments of like, I just get to be in my stuff and in my cocoon and allow myself to feel this way and not make it wrong and not judge myself for having these thoughts. But, um, but it really, it really was that it was, it was facilitating and leading our retreats and all of that that really supported me in healing. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Cause Bobby is always like, Karina, you need to take a sabbatical, do this. And, but I'm like, but I'm not happy in that place. I know I have my personal practices, but it is, it feels good to give back. And it wasn't until I started sharing, you know, I spent five years writing my memoir 
and then starting the big silence and actually talking about mental health and you know even in the beginning of tone it up where you know was back then like people would shame you with the stigma of talking about my mother or my past or oh my god fitness superstar used to do a ton of drugs and you know and was depressed but then once you start talking about it and sharing your story and then being able to take that experience and help others, that is all part of the healing process. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. So I want to talk about permission. I have sent this song to so many people. I was actually, I just did a keynote at Disney last week in California. And I was like, should I call Jenna and be like, can I play this? But then I was like, I did a different meditation. But I was like, it's a, let's talk about how you got into this choice of your artistic mm. side. Well, first of all, thank you. For, I literally forgot it. I was like, oh, we're going to talk about that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so so right when I was at the very end of when I was pregnant with Jax, like the very end of 2019, I had all this creativity just pouring through me. And I basically downloaded and channeled these four abundance mantras, for lack of a better word. No preparation, no notes, no practice. Just closed my eyes, spoke into a microphone, and, and just allowed this information to just come through me. And and I created an abundance course and like launched it five weeks before. It was a four-week course five weeks before my son was born because I was just a freaking maniac back then. Um, but it, it it was so fulfilling and I loved it. And then I was sharing these and I, and I produced these videos to kind of go with these mantras. And I would share them with my ALA students in level three as like an extra value, extra bonus for them where they could have these mantras and these meditations available for them. And one of the students, um, he said, I, I, I love these videos. He's like, did you make them? I said, yes, I did. He's like, okay. He's like, your zone of genius is you being the artist. He's like, let's, I want you in my studio. Let's you know, re-record. Let's do all this. I want to do new audio, all this stuff. Um, so he helped me redo the videos. Like that was, that felt really good. And then I wound up, but I didn't love the music that he put with it. So I, I found a, another DJ, another producer who is awesome. His name is Feedback, and he's someone I've known for like 11 years. He's making music for Rihanna. He's making music for DJ Khaled. Like he is killing it right now. And um, and so he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do a song together. And so he created the, the original audio with my song Permission, which is the first of the four songs that I'm going to be releasing. Um, and it just – I finally gave myself permission to be an artist because I'm like, well, I'm a leadership trainer and I'm a business owner and I'm a mom. I'm, you know, I'm 40 years old and I'm, but I'm like, what, 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 exactly. Like what has me, and then I was like, I realized that conversation is the same conversation that gets in the way of our students who, who come through our process. And I was like, from a place of integrity, I get to release this song. I get to finish it. I get to be in ownership of it. And, and it was so funny because once it was done, it felt so precious to me and so important to me that I held on to it for three months. And I had a friend of mine just really powerfully stand for me. And he's like, you're not 32 anymore. I'm like, okay, thanks. And he's like, you're not getting any younger. I'm like, thanks. And he goes, it's now or never. I'm like, you're right. So I just got in committed action and released it even though, because the reason why I wasn't releasing it was because I was afraid I was going to release it wrong or I didn't know how to do it right. But Honestly, the the breakthrough for me was just releasing it and the amount of support that I've received from people, people sharing it, people using it in, in their reels for their, you know, the audio. I mean, it's just been awesome. And I, it just really felt so good to just release it finally. So I love it. It's inspirational. It's like a hype, hype music. So and again, we'll put that link, the Spotify link in the show notes as well. And when is the when are the other three songs coming up? So they're in production right now. So um, I don't have an exact date, but it's yep. going to happen sooner than later for sure so let's talk about because i think it's so important to have an artistic side for your own mental health like i love to paint 
I haven't painted in two years. I know. I have. I set up. I don't know if you saw the other side of the gym. Was like I set up some like yes. uh, fabric paint because I want to start making like, okay silence t-shirts and like do graffiti on them, kind of like the hat I have on. Uh huh. And I don't know. I love art. And then I I was talking with Allison Charles, and she's playing learning guitar. I was like, I think I, I got a guitar. Haven't okay. I haven't started lessons yet? But what are different ways? that you look at as an artistic outlet? If someone's like, I don't want to paint, I don't want to play music, I don't want to sing, like what are other artistic outlets? I mean, it's just whatever you loved doing when you were a kid, you know? I mean, I when I was a kid, when I was 10, I wanted to have a band called The Flaming Logs. And I even wrote some songs and everything, Never, but I never did it because I had people I looked up to who said, well, that's not a realistic dream. Or why don't you focus on something else that can actually make you money? And I was like, okay. But like that's ultimately what stops us in our life is the, the conversations and the non-believers. And so so we just get to be in ownership and responsible for fulfilling that. And it's like there's something so powerful. There's an artist in, inside of everybody. I really believe that. Um, I also love to paint as well. Like I, I and and I've gone to clay classes, you know. And there's, there's so many different ways where we can just get our hands and stuff. Um, I also found a lot of joy in succulents gardens. I put a whole succulent garden in front of my house, and so that's my expression of art. But I think that for all of you who are listening right now, what is the thing that you loved to do to express yourself when you were little? And 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 it and it may just be it, maybe it's evolved, maybe it's expanded, maybe it's not that anymore. But give yourself permission to ultimately kind of play around with certain things. And you're like, ah, oh, paint's not really it. Maybe it's watercolor or maybe it's acrylic paint or maybe it's just like throwing big cans of paint up against a wall and like smearing your hands all over it. I mean, the stuff that people create art with is, I mean, there's no limit to it. Yeah, I agree. We all have a little artistic side. When you Absolutely. got here today, Bobby was in his garden. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? A little gardening? It's so good, but like that's maybe his expression of art. It's so he, cool. Well, Home Depot is his art. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's got to go there twice today at least. So, so. I forgot my paintbrush. Must yeah. go back. Forgot this. He's. I was like, "What do you forget?" He's like, "I forget." <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. What I forgot. Write it it's down. So good. It's so good. Write it down, boy. Which journaling can be a form Absolutely. of art. Yeah. If creative, there's creative expression available for everyone, and I think it is. It is a lost art. I think that people give themselves all kinds of reasons why to not, but it's like people either have reasons or they have results. There's no in between. Either we have the reasons why we don't do the thing that we wanted to do once upon a time, or we have the result of us being committed to that thing we wanted to create when we were little or the thing that's evolved for us since. So it really is up to each and every single one of us to create that. Yeah. I think some of the main takeaways too from this conversation is resilience. We all have it. I always say that that's my superpower is resilience and that we can change paths. We can and don't let anyone tell you that that's that career path is oversaturated. Oh, you can't do that. We shouldn't stay safe. Do this. Um, and I appreciate this conversation so much. Is there any last words you want to share? Yeah, just for all of you who are listening, you can be, do, have anything that you want. It's up to you to make a brand new decision that you've never made before so that you can start doing things that you've never done before so you can have a life you've never had before. Yeah, and change is uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but it's worth it. it. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Kareem. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. 
If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence.